welcome to the podcast Filled with His Love, the only podcast that draws upon both religion and psychology to help you strengthen your attachment relationships. Here's your host, Dr. Russ Osgothorpe, Emeritus Professor of Instructional Psychology and Technology, author and speaker. His latest book, entitled Filled with His Love, Strengthening Our Attachment to God and to Others, is available on Amazon now. Serving a Latter-day Saint mission is like an extended 24-hour laboratory in human relations. The minute you hit the MTC, you are assigned a companion. And then the minute you hit the mission field, you're assigned another companion. Alone time is gone. Early in our service as mission leaders, an elder from California who was struggling on his mission said, I just need to be alone sometimes. Growing up, if I had a down day, I would just go to the beach and sit and watch the waves roll in. Nobody sitting next to me, no one to talk to, just the waves. And it was like those, those waves, I don't know, they, they made me feel better somehow. It wasn't that he hated his companion. He just wanted to be alone sometimes. I served in the Tahiti Papete mission as a young man. My first plane ride. My first time setting foot on a tropical island. Upon our arrival in Papete, as I exited the plane, I felt the warm Tahiti air wash over me. So heavy with humidity, I felt like I needed to swim my way through it. I had never felt air like that. It wasn't raining, but the air made my crisp white shirt damp and limp. Welcome to Tahiti, my mission president said, as he reached forward to give me a missionary hug. I knew I had arrived, not only in a new place that looked nothing like my home in Utah, but a new life, a new set of expectations. And in the back of my mind, I wondered who my first companion would be. I think I must have set some kind of record because I had nine companions in the first six months of my mission, each one unique, each one challenging me in a different way. In one setting, I wasn't even sure who my companion was because there were four missionaries living together and we kind of worked together. I would just go with whoever needed me at the time. After those six months of companion uncertainty, the mission president assigned Elder Harding to be my companion. A quiet, patient, humble, aw shucks kind of missionary. Elder Harding brought a sense of continuity and peace into my life as a missionary. It seemed as if the only disagreement we ever had was how much money we should spend on food. His budget was tighter than tight, and so when we went to the grocery store, he would buy the bare minimum at the lowest possible price. I remember lusting after a box of raisin bran on the shelf. As I looked at the box, I saw myself back home at the kitchen table, chowing down on a big bowl of cereal. Noticing my longing gaze, Elder Harding said, You know... That one box of cereal would cost half our food budget for the week. And no matter how hard we try to seal the package back up, the flakes will go soggy by the second day. Remember, this is Tahiti, where we have to put our light bulbs in shoes at night so that they don't get filled with fungus. He had no harshness in his voice, none at all. He was just reminding me that I was no longer in Utah. But his comment woke me, from my momentary dream state, and we strolled to the cashier with our corned beef, tomato sauce, and rice. Companionships. 
As a missionary, you learn something every day, not only about your companion, but about yourself. Elder Harding was trying to help me adjust to a new place so that I could relate to the people we were teaching. I had been serving for six months before we came together, but I was still working hard on learning both French and Tahitian. Yes, I had to learn two languages all at the same time. But Elder Harding had confidence in me. He would call on me to say the prayer and make a comment in every lesson, whether we were teaching a French person or a Tahitian. And then he helped me learn how to study the languages more effectively than I had done in the past. It seemed that every day he helped me make progress. Every single day. He was not an expressive missionary. He seldom showed much emotion. But he always seemed to be so caring of those he taught and of me. He was not a hugger and seldom told anyone with his words how much he loved them. He just showed love through his actions, his smile, and his manner. Soon after serving with Elder Harding, I was assigned to serve with Elder Morse, one of the most fun-loving, humorous souls I've ever encountered. Elder Morris's manner contrasted starkly with that of Elder Harding. Elder Morris could laugh at just about anything. Unlike other missions at that time, we had been given special permission to swim in the ocean on Preparation Day. After such a swim, we were driving our white VW back to our elders' quarters, but as we began to turn onto a street, we were shocked to see a man on a bike balancing a large bowl of potato salad in his right hand, speeding straight toward us on the wrong side of the road. There was nothing we could do. We smacked into him head on. We slammed on our brakes as he catapulted off his bike, his eyes looking straight through the windshield at us. His lean Tahitian body struck the top of our VW hood, and I can still see the potato salad being launched high in the air and falling all over him in our car. For a brief instant, we were worried that we might have killed him, but when we exited our car, he slid off the hood, stood up on the street, and smiled at us and said, Oh, sorry guys, I guess I was on the wrong side of the street. Uh, it was obvious he had been drinking. We helped him clean up the potato salad and then asked if he would come with us to see the mission president because we didn't know what else to do. The mission president explained to him that he would need to pay for the damage done to the mission car, and he agreed. We never negotiated that turn again without thinking about the flying man with the potato salad. Elder Harding built my confidence. Elder Morris helped me see the light side of life. Each companion I had taught me something. Each one changed me in some way. When two people spend time together, whether temporarily or eternally, they begin to notice things in themselves they had never seen before, and they notice things in the other person that may not have surfaced if the two had not formed a relationship. Relationships can lift us, teach us, and heal us. They can not only change the way we see ourselves and each other, they can change the way we see the world. The Lord knew that our most important learning in mortality would come in relationship with others. That's why, as President Nelson has said, Salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. When the Lord commissioned missionaries to teach two by two, he understood all of the benefits as well as the challenges that companionships offer. So I'm grateful for every companion I had, 
and I believe that my companionships in the mission field help prepare me for my eternal companionship with my wife. We can learn something from all relationships that can eventually help us with attachment relationships that go beyond the grave. Each relationship we form on earth has the potential to change us in important ways. I heard someone say to a loved one recently, you make me a better person. Of course, two people can also bring each other down. But when we do all we can to be filled with the Lord's love, we will inevitably make each other better, whether we're in a missionary companionship, a relationship with a family member, or a friendship. Whatever the relationship, we can make our friend, our companion, or our spouse a better person. All we need to do is let the Lord's love lift us and help us to see the other person as he sees them. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>